Greetings, this is Dr. Willie Jolly, and I want to welcome you to my new Willie Jolly Wealthy Ways podcast series. We have been overwhelmed with the responses that people have shared from listening to these messages on my SiriusXM show over the years. Those listeners, and they're sharing my show with their network, telling people about it, telling their family members, their friends, and their coworkers about this show and the impact it's having on their lives. That's the main reason that this show is now number one for self-help in America, and I'm very grateful. Yet, we realize that many people do not have satellite radio and therefore could not experience for themselves the message. They could not get it for themselves. So we are now sharing these messages with everyone via this new podcast. Enjoy it and share it with your network. And let's help even more people to do more, be more, and achieve more. Tell everybody so that they can live a Wealthy Ways life as well. Welcome to the new Willie Jolly Wealthy Ways podcast. And remember, your best is yet to come. Named one of the outstanding five speakers in the world. Inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame. Award-winning singer. Best-selling author. And now, here's Willie Jolly. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is Dr. Willie Jolly, and yes, you have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon you. You can't refuse it. You didn't seek it. You didn't choose it, but it's up to you to use it. You must suffer if you lose it. Give account if you abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but your eternities all wrapped up in it. Well, I am glad to be on the air so I can have time with you and to share some ideas that hopefully will help you do more, be more, achieve more, both in your personal and your professional endeavors, and will help you to have a greater, better quality of life. Because this show is really about wealthy ways, helping you be healthy, wealthy, and wise in every part of your life. And I'm grateful for your support and for your listening. And I'm f- very much over the top grateful for all your emails and notes and Facebook messages saying how this show has changed our life. Please keep sending them to me and letting me know. Well, you know, I start every show the same way. I start with God's Minute, which is a minute that was written by Dr. Benjamin Mays, who was Martin Luther King Jr.'s mentor at uh, Morehouse College and, and inspired him and has inspired me through those pieces that he's written. And then I also start after God's minute is taking a moment to give God glory, to thank him for life and strength and health, thanking him for just the, the blessings that he has brought in my way. No, 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 not just the, the speaking and the books and the television and the radio. No, the blessings, the real blessings are, are life and strength and health and friends. Oh, that's the blessing, man. And so if, if you're not, not taking advantage of that blessing and taking care of your health, then all the others are secondary. So I give God glory, and I know everybody doesn't believe like I believe, but I know who is blessing me, who had put the bread on the table, and who is buttering it, and I give him glory. Now, uh, that said, I want to thank you all for your support of our new marriage book, Make Love, Make Money, Make It Last. As you know, Dee and I have been married for over 33 years, haven't had an argument in 30 years, and the book is just having such a profound impact. We had a couple who called me some months ago, and well, just it was the wife who called and said, I'm out, I'm done, I'm, 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 I'm filing for divorce. And I said, no, 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 before you do that, do me a favor, just do me one favor, read the book together, get two copies of the book, and, and read the book together, I'll send them to you today, read the books together, 
write at the end of each chapter, there are little points. I want you to write your notes through the chapter and talk about the things that you experienced, you learned, whatever in that chapter. And then let's talk again. Well, she called me not long ago and said, I'm in D.C. I said, you're in D.C.? Yeah, I'm in D.C. My husband and I are celebrating our anniversary, and we are so happy, and we're so great. We just want to call and say hi. I am so grateful for you sending those books our way. And I said, thank you for doing that. And she said, you know, there were little things that were, had gotten off track that became big over time. And so, folks, that's why we want to encourage you, jollymarriage.com. Just go, jollymarriage.com, and get uh, the free, free chapter on how to disagree without being disagreeable, and then an excerpt from the live audio that we did at Grace Church, as well as some of the Monday night messages that we have done on Facebook. Monday nights at 9 o'clock, we do Happily Married Mondays with the Jollies, so we can answer your questions on what's struggling or what struggles you have in your life. So go to jollymarriage.com and get that. All right, my guest today is somebody, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so excited about this interview because this is a superstar. That's the best way I can say it. An icon in American, in American history now for what he has done. Uh, many of you, if you've ever heard me speak live, you will often see me talk about a time I had in my business, in my career, working with a small little company you might have heard of called Ford Motor Company. Some of y'all heard that company. And I talk about how Ford uh, was on the brink of bankruptcy in 2006. They brought in a new CEO named Alan Mulally. He brought him from Boeing, and he came in and brought new ideas, a new spirit, a new energy, and he transformed Ford and to a point where they were able to reject a government bailout and go from losing billions of dollars to making millions and millions and billions and billions monthly because of his efforts. And he has gone on to be, become a friend of mine. Let me tell you, he, he, that's my guest, Alan Mulally. Yep, I've been trying for, for a long time, but he's finally able to find some time, and I'm grateful. Let me, he served as president, chief executive officer of the Ford Motor Company. He was a, uh, for, uh, I see, from 2006 to tw uh, 2014. He led Ford from brink of bankruptcy to comeback status to becoming the number one brand in the world. He uh, was with Boeing Company as the president and CEO of Boeing Commercial Airline, Airplanes before Ford, and he turned that company around. He has been named one of the top three uh, on Fortune's World's Greatest Leaders. He's uh, one of the top 30 best world's best CEOs by Barron's Magazine. He's been named the world's one of the world's most influential people by Time Magazine and Chief Executive of the Year by Chief Executive Magazine. He is not just a leader, but he's a good man. That's what I just love about this guy. He's a good man, a good husband, a good father, and a good friend. Ladies and gentlemen, honored to have on the show with me today the one and only Alan Mulally. Alan, how are you, my friend? Willie, I, I, I got to record that introduction. I got to share it with my parents, my kids. It's fantastic. Well, it is my pleasure. Man, what a joy to have you on the show with me. This is a dream come true, and I am so grateful. Well, I gave them the, the thumbnail sketch of who you are, where you, where you, what you've done, but tell us a little more about this guy, Alan Mulally, and where he came from and all the above. 
Well, first of all, Willie, it's it's a pleasure to, to be with you again, and uh, and I'll always treasure uh, our working together at Ford, not only to save Ford, but to create a, an exciting, viable Ford for the for the good of so many people in the United States and around our world. So. Again, thank you so much, my friend. Well, it was a joy. One of my my highest pleasures in my life was uh, working with Ford, as well as spending time with you in your office and learning so much from you. You don't know how much. And, and in my Attitude of Excellence book, the new Attitude of Excellence book, I talk about some of the things I learned from you. So I'm grateful for you, my friend. You, sh- you sure did. And I, and I have read uh, the transcript, and, and it is absolutely contribution to so many people. So, Willie, with, with respect to your question, um, I uh, grew up in, in uh, uh, Kansas, and we didn't have a lot of uh, resources in our family, uh, but we had a lot of love uh, from our, our parents. And um, every morning when I was going to go to school, I always remember my mom sharing her thoughts about uh, life and what's important and serving. And, and one day she'd say, well, the purpose of life is, what is the purpose of life, honey? And I'd say, well, the purpose of life is to love and be loved. And she would say, that's true, but also in that order. Mm. And the next day she would say, you know, to serve is to really live. Mm. Thank you, Mom. Then next day she'd say, it's nice to be important, honey, but it's more important to be nice. Great. And then one of the ones I just absolutely loved was uh, by working together with others, you can make the most positive contribution to the most people. And it's all about lifelong learning and continuous improvement. Respect everyone. Uh, We're all creatures of God. We're worthy to be loved. And develop an integrated life to deliver your life's work. And so I grew up with that foundation, Willie. And like all kids, I, I wanted to you know, maybe get a pair of Levi jeans and some weeds and loafers and maybe a car and go to college someday. And so with my parents' encouragement and these learnings, I started serving. I had my TV guide route, and then I had my paper route. And it was always about serving uh, the customers. And I wanted to know what they thought, how I could improve, I could do a better job to make their life easier and, and more worthwhile. And then I I uh, worked at the grocery store, the Dillon's grocery store, as a, as a, as a bagger and then, a, uh, and then a checker. And people were actually giving me tips. And I would, I would package their groceries in, in plastic bags when it snowed. And, and, and then I uh, was a ranch hand in, in construction. And I started learning aerospace engineering at the University of Kansas. And I, I worked at Beechcraft and Cessna and Boeing. And all the time, it was always about... Uh, serving, and then as I, uh, and then I found my first love in being an airplane designer at Boeing, as you mentioned, and I had the honor to serve on, on every Boeing airplane, uh, from the 707 through the uh, 787. Wow! And if you look at all the seats that are flying today, 70% of all the seats that are flying in the world today are in Boeing airplanes, and so Boeing really was the first internet because it got people and ideas together and as you and we all know uh we when you get to know people around the world we find out that we have more in common than we're different and we can choose to work together for the greater good and then uh from 37 years of boeing 37 years at boeing 
as you well know. And so, wow, 37 years. Wow. That's how I got to Ford, and that's how I met you, and we went to work with our, our principles and practices to uh, not only save Ford, but to create an exciting, viable, and profitably growing Ford for everybody. So, you, so in reality, your mentors were your parents. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Some people, you would say, they maybe even they brainwashed me, which is okay with me because I love those principles and practices. Man, those those are great principles that your parents uh, instilled in you, and and I love that to love. And then to be loved. And it's not just to have them, it's to also the sequence. Absolutely. She would remind me that frequently. Oh, that's that's powerful. You know, it's almost powerful. like something I have in the book, uh, the Attitude of Excellence book about, I looked for the key to success for many years. I kept looking and I kept looking. What was that single key that, that was the key to open the door to success? And what I learned is no single key. There's an, a combination lock. And yeah. not only must you know the digits, but you must have them in the right sequence or it won't open. And so we see far too many people who will work on skill set before they work on mindset. And we must work on mindset, heart set, before we work on skill set. Now, they both are important, but you must put them in the right sequence. Well, I'm telling you, this is exciting. We've got a lot to share today, folks. I hope you're going to do me a favor, everybody. Pull out a pad, a pen, a piece of paper, an iPhone, an iPad, whatever you take notes on because we're going to get into the principles that Alan Mulally used at Boeing to turn Boeing around, and then he brought to Ford that turned Ford around. It uh, were documented in a, in a book called American Icon, and, and uh, then he's going to share how you can turn your business around. These principles will translate in your business and your personal life and your family life. So look, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Willie Jolly, and for sure, for sure, your best is yet to come. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Willie Jolly, and if you're enjoying this information you're hearing on this podcast, I want to invite you to get even more great information on my new free gift page on my website. Go to wjspeaks.com and hit the All Access badge. On that page, you will find information and resources specifically designed to help you to have greater success. Free ebooks, music, all sorts of 
interesting and informational interviews for my XM show. I'm telling you, this is a great page. And why do I do it? Because I've learned that the more we give, the more we get. And the more we help other people to grow and go to the next level, the more we receive in our business. So we want to help you. Tell your friends about it. Go to Facebook and get my information. Go to my website. Get my free resources. And get on wjspeaks.com and hit that all access badge. It looks like a backstage pass. Click it. You'll get behind the scenes information to the special page to help you grow. All we want in return, all we ask is that you pass it on because the more you give, the more you get. This is Dr. Willie Jolly. Have a great day. This is Dr. Willie Jolly, and I have my special guest, the iconic CEO, thinker, brilliant, as I say on stage, one of the most brilliant people I have ever met. His name is Alan Mulally, and if you would just, if you haven't read about him or heard about him, and you would just Google him, you will see that he has been named one of the world's greatest leaders. And if you get a chance to see his uh, program from Willow Creek Leadership Conference, it is spectacular, just spectacular. Uh, it, it'll make you laugh, but it will also make you realize how you can grow yourself. Well, Alan, we talked about the fact that your parents were uh, your, your mentors. They taught you so much. And then you went into uh, aerospace engineering, and, but you had to work your way up through Ford, I mean, through Boeing. Now, let's talk a little bit about that. You didn't, did they, you didn't walk in on day one and say, hey, you're going to be the new CEO of Boeing. I mean, what was, what was the process? What, what was this, the challenges? How did you go through that process? Think about the answer to your your question. So, um, you know, with the principles and practices that my uh, that I grew up with, with uh, based on my parents' uh, education and, and the church, and and the fact that they always worked. I mean, service always worked. I got great feedback, and I'm, I was into continuous improvement. I wanted to improve my service and lifelong learning. And so I arrived at Boeing, and I I wanted to be the best airplane designer that I could be, and uh, so I, I, uh, uh, I would do my assignments. I'd go back to my supervisor. What can I do to make it better? And, and uh, one day they called me in and they said, Alan, you're, you're doing a great job and we'd like you to be a supervisor. And I said, that's great. And so what, is, what does a supervisor do? And they <laughs> said, well, we're going to assign some, some really uh, smart engineers to you and we'd like you to help them uh, be the best engineers they can be. And so... I thought that was great, and I thought I was supposed to make them in my image. And, and after my first employee, after he came to me with his thoughts and my continuous improvement suggestions, he said, Alan, you just micromanage me, and I, I think you need to think about a bigger picture, how, uh, maybe how to help me relate to the, to the airplane program itself, make sure I'm networking with the right people, I have the right tools. And it actually changed my life, uh, mm. really. And so... Uh, I took. I was asked to take on more and more responsibility. Then I was a program manager, and then I was actually the chief engineer uh, for the cockpit design, the autopilot, and the autothrottle for the 757 and the 767. And then they asked me to serve as a chief engineer for the creation of the 
777 airplane, probably most people think is the finest airplane in the world. It takes people point to point halfway around the world. Right. And so then they asked me to, to be the CEO of Boeing Commercial Airplanes, and I used the same principles and practices that I learned all along the way on how to help talented people, hundreds of thousands of talented people work together to create these uh, these airplanes. And then when we bought McDonnell, Douglas, and Rockwell uh, at the end of the Cold War, they asked me to integrate all these fabulous uh, assets, the fighters and the and the uh, satellites and the and the um, uh, transport airplanes. And I had a chance to do that and support the Pentagon and support all of our wonderful young men and women and the war fighters. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then I thought I'd never leave Boeing. And then right. that's when I got a call from Bill Ford, which is the next chapter. You know, now, I, every time I think of that, okay, I think of this. You're, you're in the... You're in the bird, bird, catbird seat, as they would say, the sweet seat at Boeing. You're in Seattle, Washington, overlooking probably Puget Sound. Uh, you're eating salmon every day, okay? You're just, you're living this wonderful life, and Boeing's just cooking. And you get a call from Bill Ford, who is the grandson of Henry Ford. And this is of the company Ford Motors. And he says, I want to talk to you about coming to Ford. I can't imagine that conversation. <laughs> I just can't. How does he? How, I mean, I, I mean <laughs> this is you're such a sweet spot. What, what, how, what did he say when he called you? Well, uh, it, it was, I knew it when he called Willie, I knew I was in trouble because when he was describing the situation and how he wanted to join, wanted me to join him as a CEO of Ford and help save Ford, um, I didn't, I didn't say no right away. And I was so interested uh, in what he had to say. And, and Bill is such a neat leader. And, you know, he's the, he's the titular head of the Ford family and, you know, 115 years of innovation and safe and efficient transportation and he told me all about the situation. They had become a house of brands. They had purchased Aston Martin and Jaguar and Land Rover and Volvo and Mazda. And they had become a fast follower in technology, and they were, uh, they were losing uh, market share, and their cost structure was not supportive uh, of them uh, making cars and trucks in the United States. And they were losing uh, money on every brand, in every vehicle. Matter of fact, Willie, uh, he shared with me that the forecast, this was in September, the forecast for profits for the entire year was going to be a $17 billion loss. <laughs> that was the forecast for profits. Exactly. <laughs> and four months later, we achieved it. <laughs> so this, this wasn't a forecast accuracy issue. So to answer your question, I initially told Bill that I would I was going to stay at Boeing. I had one more airplane I wanted to help redesign. That's a replacement for the 737. And uh, I talked to him, and and I was uh, and I shared with him I was going to stay. And and Nikki, my wife of uh, 48 years, and three of our five kids were listening to me regret on his offer. And I I hung up the phone, and he said he was such a gentleman. He said, "Well, if you change your mind, you know, please let me know. I really would like you to come, and I really need you." And I hung up the phone, 
and Nikki and the three kids walked in, Willie, and they said, so we're going to Ford, aren't we, Dad? <laughs> so I said, because they could hear it in my voice. Right. I said, yep, we're going to Ford. And like all of us, as we go through our lives, we're always going to have opportunities and decisions to make and, and what's for the greater good for ourselves, our family. And so you look at it and analyze it from every direction. And I decided right there that I was being asked to serve a second American and global icon in Ford, like you mentioned. And really, Boeing and Ford are the arsenal of democracy. And they're the reason that we are free as a country today. So I really felt like I was being asked to serve and let, let, me back. let me take a moment there to po point out something you said. I want to make sure we don't miss this. And I want you all to listen to this, folks. He said he was being called to serve. Now, I don't want you all to think anything other than exactly what he said. He was called, not by Bill Ford, by a higher power to serve. Yeah. America needed Ford to survive. As well as America needed to see this comeback, America's comeback company, a country. And we are often thrust into positions where we must serve and be and be the person that we might not have known we were. We grow through that. Am I right, Alan? Oh, absolutely. And you know, Willie, uh, all I know from all of my experiences at, on all the airplane programs and at, at Ford were, were these working together principles and practices that you mentioned. And the key ones are people first. Mm. And that means love them up. Wow. Love up all the participants. These are human beings. They're talented. They want to work together, do something for the greater good, include everybody, come together around a compelling vision, a comprehensive strategy, and a relentless implementation plan to deliver it. And you've captured that over the years with Henry Ford's original quote of opening the highways to all mankind. Also, clear performance goals, having one plan, using facts and data. You can't manage a secret. One of the most important principles and practices is everyone knows the plan. Mm. Share it with everybody. Everyone knows the status. Everyone, everyone. knows the areas need special attention. Everyone? Everyone, all right, everyone, that's important. all of your employees, all the suppliers, the bankers, the investors, the communities in which we operate, because only then can we all pull together to turn the red items to yellow to green. And then the behaviors, propose a plan, positive, find a way attitude, respect each other, listen to each other, help each other, appreciate each other, keeping your emotional resilience and trust in the process. And the last one, Willie, have fun. Mm. Enjoy the journey and each other. Now, the corollary to that is never, never humor at another person's expense. Say that one more time, because that's so... And I believe that's not just... That, say it again, and then I'll give you the rest of that. Go, say that one more time. Have fun, enjoy the journey and each other, and no humor at another's expense. And the reason why that's important, Willie, is that we've all heard the jokes. We laugh to go along to get along. But it's never funny. And with respect to working together at Boeing or at Ford and doing these, these complicated, complex programs, we need the hearts and minds of everybody, but they also have to feel safe. Right. And if people don't feel safe, they're not going to be a victim, and they're not going to share with the real situation, especially if there's an issue that we all need to work on. So the most important thing is love them up and never, never 
humor at anybody else's expense. So, so really, if you look at it, uh, the number one thing you said, which was people first and then have fun, they 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 kind of drew back to each other. It's almost like a circle. I would see it in my mind that there's this never-ending circle. You start with people first. It goes all through the principles that you share. We're going to go back through those principles. And then it reconnects like like a, a, uh, a clasp with have fun and never at anybody else's expense because that, that impacts their willingness to be open and honest and have open conversations, which is something that I assume, and you've been married for 40, over 45 years, almost 50 years. So, yeah, so you know the same goes for marriage. Am I right? Well, now you brought that up. So I tried to convince myself when we started having, or convince Nikki, my wife, when we first started having children, that we needed to have a business plan review just like we do at Boeing. And she said, no, we're not going to have a business plan review. And so I, I said, what about a family meeting? And she said, well, yeah, that'd be good. Because, you know, when you have seven people in your household, you need to have a plan and agree on your vision and strategy and how are you going to work together and the behaviors. Hold so that thought. Hold that thought. One second. I'm going to take a quick station identification. I want to get the rest of this. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Willie Jolly. Hold on. Hi, this is Dr. Willie Jolly, and for years I've told people that in order to have a greater life, it starts by having greater individual days. If you have a great day and you repeat that great day seven times, you've had a great week. And you repeat that week four times, you've had a greater month. And then repeat that month 12 times, you've had a greater year, and you're on your way to a greater life. And it starts with that individual day. I recommend you start each day with something powerful. I call it the pure, the powerful, and the positive. Rather than starting your day with bad bad news, how many people got killed or how many children got snatched or how many fires there were, I recommend you start your day with something to inspire and empower and encourage you to make this day a great day. We're excited to announce the start of Jolly TV on my Facebook page. Go to Willie Jolly, Willie.Jolly on Facebook. Just go to Willie.Jolly on Facebook and get ready for a great day and a great life. Have a great day on purpose. And we're back, Dr. Willie Jolly. Alan, you were talking about uh, convincing your bride. Maybe we need to, to have some, some uh, business. Family meeting, a business plan review. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, we're not going to call it a business plan review, but we'll do a family meeting. And so every day after church, every Sunday after church, we come home and do our, our family meeting. And we uh, pick up all the things in the house, get them back in the cubbies. We uh, do the laundry together, sort all the stuff together get our schedules out, review how we can help each other with taxi cab service or cheerleading, and then uh, and then we go through um, the, the calendar. And, and and so the kids always used to laugh about that as they got older. And I said, well, why did you why did you come to it when you and you, when you didn't want to do this every, when you sounded like you didn't want to do it every week? And they said, well, you remember what the last item was on our family meeting day? And I said, no, I don't. They said, you passed out the allowances. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good incentive. <laughs> exactly, but the point is the same: is that we all want to be associated with something bigger than ourselves. That's and right. Contribution. And that's so right. Coming and together around that vision and a strategy for achieving it, and then every week getting together to identify the areas need special attention and working on them together in a safe environment. This is so good. This is such rich information. Folks, well, I want y'all all to hear. He has told us some principles that will help you in your business. 
But also the principles can translate and transfer over to your personal life, to your family life, to your children. And we want to grow successful, happy, healthy, uh, vibrant children in, in vibrant homes. And, and part of that is the conversation, the communication, and the not making fun of each other that will, even, you know, I've heard parents and say, so, you know, little snide things. They think it's funny, but it's not really funny, just like Alan said. And the same is true in your business. So we don't make funny remarks in our business. We don't do it in our marriage. We don't ever, I heard a guy one day say, this is my future ex-wife. I said, oh my God, how, that's not funny. And so, you know, he thought it was a funny joke, but that's not funny because you also have the self-fulfilling prophecy option that yep. comes into play. Okay, so now, I, I got so much stuff to I could get on. We could talk about family and marriage and, 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 and the person, but I want to talk about this, uh, you learned about this working together, this journey, this leadership of working together, which was, to say the least, challenging when you went to Ford, because that that was Ford was well known as dog eat dog, and so how, first, where did you really grasp this working together philosophy? I mean, really, really get it, and then how were you able to get Ford? To embrace it. Well, uh, it, I really developed it over the years at Boeing on all these airplane programs because, uh, as we all know, air, airplanes are probably commercial airplanes are probably the most complicated vehicles in the world, and, and the safety requirements are the highest in the world when you're carrying uh, 200 to 300 people halfway around the world. And so, these principles and practices are what we use on the creation of all of these. Airplane programs because we all needed to know what the vision was, the strategy, the plan, the areas need special attention, and and so these principles and practices are what I, I is on one piece of paper and I took it to Ford when I decided to go and and I remember one thing that you always loved was uh, in the first press conference uh, the press was all there and they wanted to know who this person was from the outside and did I know that Ford was in trouble and and one of the journalists actually said so Miss Mally. Um, what does it mean to us that you're here? And the automobile industry is very sophisticated and very complicated, and you don't know anything about it. And I started with the products themselves. And I said, well, I rubbed my chin, and I said, well, I sure agree with you. Uh, it is a complicated industry, and the products are complicated. I might point out that a, an average car or a truck has around 10,000 parts. And you think about the quality and the fuel efficiency and the safety uh, and the connectivity and the systems engineering, very sophisticated cars and trucks. I might point out that the 777 airplane has 4 million parts, and it actually stays in the air. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the next day, three-inch headlines in the Detroit News, I think we got the right guy. <laughs> they, they definitely got the right guy. And uh, let me ask you one more question about that, that whole transition. Was it the challenge that made you finally say yes? Uh, or was it, what, what, was, what was the North Star that made you say, okay, I'm leaving Boeing and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take on this task that is just Herculean. I mean, just well, heavy well, lift. It, I, it really goes back to, to service. And okay, that answers it. Yeah. It, was just, it was just such, it's such an important company. Um, you know, 115 years of safe and efficient transportation and opening the highways to all mankind and 
and all the jobs and the careers that it provided uh, everybody uh, throughout the United States when when Henry decided that the vehicles were not going to be just for the wealthy, but it was going to be available. The best cars and trucks in the world are going to be made available to everybody, everybody, so they could feel the freedom of being able to move around and grow. And and so it's a tremendous part of the, of the economic development of the United States. And between Boeing and Ford, as we talked about, it's, it's the reason that we're free as a country because of the technology and the innovation. And, and so... At the end of the day, I really felt like I was I was being asked to serve uh, a second American and global icon that's important for so many of us uh, around the world. Wow! Well, you 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 did you've done that and you brought it back. I must say again, if you're just joining us, for those who might have just tuned in, you're listening to Alan Mulally. He is the uh, former CEO. He is he retired in 2000. 14 and now sits on a number of boards including Google which is just phenomenal and he is now sharing his message uh, uh, with organizations around the country and I'm so grateful that he has found a, a moment in his, t- his schedule to just come and share with us I'm very grateful and I, I for those who don't know I, I, my book An Attitude of Excellence in the beginning I have a picture of Al and I in his office where it's such a great picture. It's, we, we're having such a fun time that day. He is inspiring me. I'm just in hog heaven because he's teaching me, even though he's just talking about the Ford history, the, how Henry Ford looked over the landscape and uh, the magazine cover. What was that, the 1925, uh, Alan? Or? January 24th, 1925, in the Saturday Evening Post, which was the number one magazine in the world. And at that point... Henry described that he wasn't going to just make cars for the wealthy, but he was going to make cars so all of us, all of us, could afford them and feel the freedom of being able to move around the world. And and you were so gracious and so kind, and we had such a great time. We took a picture. The picture's in the book, uh, front of the book, and I also tell some of the other lessons I learned. Because once I left that day, I became a student of Alan Mulally. So I was reading everything I could read that uh, was in the press about him. I was working, because, you know, we're still doing work with Ford. And so, but I was learning about him. I was asking people, you know, what's, what's, what drives this guy? And they'd always say the same thing, service, service, and his working together philosophy. Okay, so look, let's go through these principles. Uh, And you, you kind of expand on them as I call them out. Number one, uh, have a clear, compelling vision that informs everything you do. Uh, well, absolutely. Like every airplane program is a point-to-point, nonstop around the world. It's going to do the polar route. There's going to be short range, uh, fuel economy, uh, CO2 reduction. Same way in cars. Uh, small cars, medium-sized cars, utilities and trucks, the performance of it, the fuel efficiency, uh, what is the vision for every one of those products? And then what's the vision of the company? And then what's the comprehensive strategy for delivering it? And then the relentless implementation plan, which is the business plan review every week where we all get together. And it, that's the foundation, as you point out, that drives everything because we all know, all the participants know what we're about, and that will inform and direct 
our contribution. And, and let me take a moment, because uh, we get, uh, I wish we could go for, for hours, but that business plan review is, is critical because it is where people come together and this annual, this weekly meeting, and they had to tell the truth. And initially, that wasn't working it for. Nobody wanted to tell the truth. Everything was everything was hunky dory. Even though you you expected to lose seventeen billion dollars. <laughs> when you say that on that on that uh, Willow Creek, that is so funny. <laughs> well, and Willie, I mean, uh, as as Bill Ford uh, described to me before I came, is that Ford was a separate Fords all around the world. Henry wanted to make cars and trucks all around the world so that everybody could have great jobs and great careers that was associated with Ford. I mean, he was so ahead of his time, but they had become very um, uh, isolated and very separate and almost completely independent Fords, and we were competing with the best global companies in the world. And so uh, it was a really a big deal for them to come together and work together, but they didn't know each other. They didn't trust each other. They didn't have relationships because they're all independent. And so, and also, um, at that time, uh, Ford, like many companies, you only brought a problem to your supervisor if you had a solution. So mm. now you're managing a secret. And so we had to change that culture. How do you manage a secret? That is such a great line. Say that one more time. Safe, it was safe, and you could bring the problem, color-coded on red, on yellow, or green on this issue, and... Everybody could then work together to turn the reds to yellows to green. So that was a huge, huge culture change. Red, yellow, green, and you cannot manage a secret. So if you kept it to yourself, then you would not be able. You might have a red, uh, but you you you're calling it a green because you're not exactly. telling. And yet we all want to get to green because that makes the company more profitable and effective and efficient. And that story you told about the first one who. Oh, that's such a good story. That's such a just tell a little bit of that, please. So uh, you're absolutely right, and it's back to our conversation about a safe environment based on respect. If if you go after somebody that brings up an issue and and humiliate them or keep asking why they don't have a solution, stuff like that, what do you think the color is going to be next week? They'll mm. go back to a green because right. no one's going to be a victim. So here, that was the environment. People were scared. They didn't want to share what the real situation was. They didn't know what would happen. And so finally, one of our leaders, they had a, uh, we were in our business plan review, and they had a problem with the liftgate actuator on a new edge out of Oakville, Canada. And so from a technical point of view, a schedule, a financial, it was all red. And so this leader uh, told his team, I'm, we got to trust Alan. I understand the principle. And it, so we're going to color it red. And his team, one of his team members actually said, Willie, well, you know, good luck. It's nice knowing you. You had a great career. But clearly you're going to be, uh, you're going to be gone. So the leader the next day in the business plan review presented it, and up comes this red. We had 300 charts total, and here's this bright red. I mean, all the air left the room. And uh, he explained what the situation was. And I said to the team, uh, what can we do to help? Uh, our leader with this problem right away. And three leaders offered suggestions about how they'd seen that uh, before, they'd get the information there, they're going to need some manufacturing engineers to switch the parts out, to get them identified and get them up to Oakville. It took eight or nine seconds, and we went on to the next green chart. Next week was the only red chart again. Next week they found a solution that turned to yellow. Next week 
They incorporated the vehicle, started flowing around the world. And the following week, Willie, the following week, all 300 charts looked like a rainbow. Wow. Because people decided it was safe and they could share what the real situation was. And from then on, Willie, I knew and they knew that no matter what happened to us, we are going to meet regularly and deal with the reds, yellows, and greens, and we're going to be okay. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. we got Alan Mulally. This is Dr. Willie Jolly. And for sure, your best is yet to come. Life had enough ups and downs. Hi, this is Dr. Willie Jolly. And people often ask, how did I go from a broke, busted nightclub singer to become a best-selling author and to be voted one of the outstanding five speakers in the world by the 175,000 members of Toastmasters International? The answer is that I decided to invest and change my thinking, invest in my mindset, and decided to change my inputs because inputs determine outputs. I heard about a seminar years ago when I was just getting started. I was making about $100 a speech, and I heard this seminar that was creating millionaires, and it cost $10,000, but the guy was getting results. I didn't have that kind of money, but I decided to borrow it because I learned that there's a price for success, the price of college, the price of going to school, the price of education. There's a price for success, and then there's a cost for not paying the price, the cost of staying the same. And that cost is greater than the price. It's too expensive. And so I went, and it changed my life, and I came back and quickly made $100,000. I heard a similar story from Dr. Dave Martin, how he went to a success rally, heard a speaker who inspired him. He and his friend said, wow, that's changed my life. The speaker had a package of materials to help build wealth. The package cost $1,500, and that was all the money Dr. Dave had to his name. Dr. Dave's friend asked, do you think this stuff is worth it? Dr. Dave thought for a moment. He said, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. But I do know that I'm worth it. I'm worth it. He invested that money in that package and used the materials to grow his thinking. He grew his mindset. He shared how that $1,500 investment has gone on to generate millions in revenues. He's a multimillionaire. And he has homes now in Arizona and Florida. I want to say to you, it's time to invest in you. I want to give you some materials that will help you grow you, grow your mindset, grow your future, grow your finances. Go to wjspeaks.com slash billionaire. wjspeaks.com slash billionaire to get some materials that will inspire your success and will help you find that there's a price for success, but there's a cost for not paying the price. And the cost is always greater than the price. Go to wjspeaks.com slash billionaire and get the bag, the box, or any of the materials there and keep growing your wealth. And remember, as a man thinketh, so as he is, and your best is yet to come. For those who have missed this, uh, I want to encourage you to listen to the replay, get it on the podcast, find some way, send an email to us how we can get you uh, access to it, because this is a life-changing interview. Uh, We're with Alan Mulally, who turned around Ford when it was on the brink of bankruptcy, helped to become profitable, go on to become the number one brand in the world, as well as to not to be able to reject a government bailout, which I want to take a moment to ask, because this is something that always intrigued me, Alan, when I came to work with y'all at Ford, and and I came in, you came in in, two, in September 2006, I believe, correct? Yes, correct. And so I got the call the 
end of September 2006. And they said, we want you to come. We know you wrote the book, A Setback, Set Up for a Comeback. One of our execs heard about you or heard you speak. We read your book. I uh, want you to come and work with us. And, and Ford took every date I had between then and, and Thanksgiving. I'll never forget, we did every day a different. I didn't know y'all had so many plants and offices and places. I mean, it blew my mind how many places we went in those six weeks or so. Anyway, uh, here's, here's what uh, I, I'm always intrigued with. How did you know to prepare for a economic downturn that was not being expected? How did, I mean, what was the, that, that's the brilliant part here. That's, I've always been intrigued by that. Well, um, of course, the, the most important thing in, in business, we all know, is, is to continue to look at the external environment. Because if we're going to create value uh, for our customers and our clients, the most important thing is that we know the business environment, uh, the risks, the opportunities, the changes, the technology, the demographics. And so with the situation that we were in at Ford, uh, we had to do uh, three or four things really as a strategy to save Ford really quickly and decisively. One, we needed to... Uh, focus on the Ford brand. That's why we divested the other ones, because it was 75% of the business, and it's got such a, a clear and compelling uh, brand. Also, we needed to right-size the production system to the lower demand because of the recession and the fact that our products uh, uh, were not as good as they used to be. We also then simultaneously had to restructure the business, and we had to invest in all the new cars and trucks that you see today, which are the best in the world, during an economic downturn. And we needed to work together as one team, as one Ford. So we borrowed to do that. The most important thing is to not run out of money mm. so that we can, we can actually accomplish this transformation. And so we borrowed enough money to restructure the business, but also to simultaneously invest in all these new products Plus, we could see the fuel prices were going up. Uh, maybe the economy was going to start to slow down. So we borrowed some extra money to be able to handle uh, a recession. And that's how we came up with the $23.5 billion that we borrowed to finance this transformation. And a lot of our competitors thought we wouldn't even be able to pay the, the, the loan back payments on it. And But we knew that if we focused on this plan, and we did it working together, that we'd be able to turn Ford around. And we actually did that during the worst recession we ever had while our competitors were completely uh, uh, bankrupt. Right, right. And now we've repaid all of that money, of course, and we're, and we're profitably growing and, and with, a, with one of the finest lineups in the business. Wow. Okay, folks, so you, you heard the real story and wh- how he was able to forecast and be thinking about, you know, it's like the ant. Ant pr- prepares for the winter in the summer, and he's always preparing. And, and so he got a plan. He got a vision. He knows it's coming. Something's going to come around the corner, so prepare for it. Well, have a clear, compelling vision, number one. Number two is uh, have a plan, keep it simple, and stick to it, which he's talked about his business review plan. And then I thought it was most interesting, you say, be willing to be, be focused on thinking about the better plan. How do you take the simple plan and continuously make it better, which is kind of like the kind of uh, uh, the Kaizen principle, the Kana uh, exactly. principle. You know, I think, Willie, it's, it's, 
it's absolutely the same as uh, continuous improvement and lifelong learning. Yes, yes. Probably the two most important things because we're never done, and and we're we always can do it better, including ourselves uh, as uh, leaders and participants and supporters. And so, uh, part of the, the the principles and practices we're always be working on a better plan. If you think of a business going forward. The purpose of business is to create value. Yes. You do it in two ways. One, you make products and services that people want and they value, they actually pay for it. And two, we improve our quality and our efficiency, our productivity every year forever. And the revenue times the margins equals profits. And then we'll grow the business and then be able to actually serve more of the customers and our clients because we are, uh, we are growing. And then you think about it from a personal point of view, we're always moving from I to we, and we're always moving from uh, me to service. Mm. You, think of, you think of where we are as, as human beings based on, especially based on humility, love, and service, we're always thinking about how we contribute, but, we, but the more we think about how we can contribute to the, to the vision, and the more we think about moving from it's about me to it's about me delivering on service, then we're going to always have this continuous improvement, lifelong learning, better plan, better contribution attitude. Right. Now, all of these are such great principles. I wish I had time to go into each one, but I just kind of say them for everybody. Then y'all can go and look them up online because they really, he talked about work on a better plan, work together. He's talked about that. Include everybody. He's mentioned that. Uh, bigger is not necessarily better. The data will set you free. I, I've always thought that was so profound, and I've got it now. In, that's one. That one is preaching to me. That makes me say, preach, preacher. All right, when you say that one, that makes me say, preach, preacher, because I've got to work on my data more effectively and be honest that, that I've got to look at the data, not my just my gut, but look at the data. What does the data say? Exactly. And, and it allows you to make these great decisions collectively because it's not just trying to convince somebody based on your, your opinion about it, but what does the data really say about our business? Where are we on the products, where we are on the market share, where we are on our cost structure? Because this is a business and we want it to be successful because we're going we're gonna to grow by creating value. The same data on our employee survey. How do we all feel? How do the employees feel about working at our company? And that's really important and we all know that the data that 30% are engaged, 40% are happy with what they're doing. But that means that 60 to 80% of all the employees are not coming, not coming to work to build a cathedral. They're coming to work to, for a salary. Right. And so I would, I would propose that the biggest source of competitive advantage for all of us in business uh, to create value for everybody is to engage all of our employees where they know the plan, they know the status, they know the areas need special attention, they're turning the reds, yellows, and greens, and they're feeling they're respected for their work, and they're feeling that true satisfaction that can only come from meaningful accomplishment. Engagement. You know, I love that, what you talk about that, and how you got people engaged at Ford, and they went from just coming for a check uh, and, and paying their bills to being excited about what they were doing. We only got a couple more minutes left in this interview. I, you know, the, I, I always do every interview, though, I ask a question, and I want to ask you as well. You're sitting in a room with college students. They are interested in, in 
being entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs or, or, or working at a business, what are a few principles that, that, that you know are, these are core, got to have to be successful in life? Well, um, well, I really, I really believe um, in talented people. Uh, working together for the for the greater good. So, I think the one of the maybe the first principle is that whatever skill that you love, uh, that you're learning in college, whether it's engineering, manufacturing, procurement, uh, communications, uh, that's your start, and you want to be absolutely the best you could be at that. So again. This lifelong learning, continuous improvement, continue to figure out how to make the best contribution you can make in the skill that you are starting out with. And then the second is that it's all about talented people working together with multiple skills. So developing your working together skills. Mm. Um, you know, where are you uh, on your own self-assessment on humility and love and service? And being part of something bigger than yourself, and and your effect on others, and being aware of, of your effect, and looking in the pe- at people's eyes, and do they want you to be around? Do they want your help? Because this working together, in addition to your professional skills, are what's going to make you enable you to make the biggest uh, contribution to the to the greater good. And as my mom said, where we started out, Willie, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. That says it all. What a great interview. <laughs> you are the best. And when you when you finish this book, you got to come back so we can tell everybody about it and they can come and go buy it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to one of the greatest leaders on the planet in history, my friend Alan Mulally. Thank you, Alan, for being my guest. Willie, thank you very much. And thank you for your leadership. Thank you. Well, folks, stay tuned for next week. we got another show coming your way. Go to willyjolly.com. Get some of the free gifts that we have there, willyjolly.com slash free. Go to jollymarriage.com. Get the free chapter from the marriage book. And if you love faith-based messages, go to jollygoodnews.org. and get my faith-based messages from the Hour of Power and other places like that. And remember, as I say every week to you, without a question in my mind, your best is yet to come. Have a great day. God bless you. Are you tired of crying and complaining? Tired of feeling like life don't get you fair? Do you see so many others moving on? Are you steady going nowhere? Have you maybe come to the conclusion that there's nothing at all that you can do? Well, just look and you'll see who is really truly stopping you my mind
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.